Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Today's topic is what do you do when you're wrong? Listeners, we are human and we make mistakes. If you're anything like me, you make a lot of mistakes. If you're my friend or relative, you know this about me. I don't have a problem saying I'm sorry. Actually, I'll tell you I'm the first in line to apologize when something goes terrifically wrong and I'm at fault. I don't have pride that stops me from saying I'm sorry, but here's where I go off the beaten path. Very often, I'm so busy asking God for things, I forget to tell Him I'm sorry for things. I forget to confess. This simple scripture reminds me, but if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It's that simple. Or is it? Here's the real problem. We have to, number one, believe we sin. Number two, make time to look at that sin. And number three, choose to confess it. Emphasis on choose. Here's what happens when we don't. Let's look at the life of King David from Scripture. But before we do that, let me tell you a short story. Many years ago, I was traveling to Poland on a missions trip. I was very stressed about getting ready for the trip, and I'm scared to fly, so that was kind of in there as well. I was rehearsing with a worship band the night before to get them ready for the Sunday that I would be gone. One of my guitar players, I'll call him Frank, was a real pill. I mean that sincerely. He was a troublemaker with a capital T. He argued, pushed back, and liked to create havoc. Typically, I was patient, but not this day. Nope. I lost it. I raised my voice. I asked him why he continued to harass me and create problems for our team. And I asked him if he wanted to continue to serve with us in front of everybody. Uh Uh-oh. Needless to say, he was shocked at my behavior because I'd always been kind and caring. I certainly could have done it in a private setting with a calmed spirit, but I was wrong and I reacted in that moment and I sinned against guitar player Frank. The next day, we boarded the plane and I felt guilt through and through. My mind was focused on survival when the plane began to hit turbulence. I told myself, okay, Kathy, calm down. We'll be okay as long as that stewardess looks calm and happy. Well, she didn't. She sat down right next to me, buckled in, crossed herself, and looked like she was beginning to pray. I was really scared. For an hour and a half, we dealt with turbulence where we all thought the plane was going down. I looked at my pastor. I thought, fabulous, at least he's bowing his head in prayer. Come to find out, he slept through the whole thing. My girlfriend to the right was crying and saying she'd never see her children again. My girlfriend to the left was nervously twisting a Kleenex, wondering if she'd put all of her laundry away. And all I could think about in the last moments of my life was, wow, I'm dying now, and the last person I dealt with, I was really mean to. After an hour of this horrible turbulence, the plane calmed down and we soon got ready to land. I wanted to kiss the ground of Poland when I got out. It was actually Amsterdam, so I'd have to wait for a little bit longer to get to Poland. But as sin often does, it was set aside. It was forgotten. I looked at that beautiful scenery. We stopped for lunch. We went to Anne Frank's home, and I never thought about that plane ride again, at least until 
that night. When we went to sleep, there were five women in the same room, on the floors, on the couch, in the bed. And at 3 a.m., I woke up and found myself sitting in the bed with everybody sitting up looking at me. I said, what's going on? And they said, didn't you know? You asked us to pray. You said, please join me in prayer. Everybody, everybody awake, please join me in prayer. And I said, oh, my word, what was I praying? For a new car? A new job? They said, no, you were asking God to forgive you for being so mean to the guitar player. And there it is, friends. Sin rears its ugly head. But isn't it interesting that even in my subconscious mind, I was still dealing with what had happened. My heart was contrite. I wanted to ask God to forgive me. I actually made a plea that if I lived through the plane trip, I would change. I'd go home and apologize. But just like that, I forgot. Well, we're going to continue talking about what you do, what I do when we're wrong. But first, let's soak in this story through this fabulous song. I love that God is calling us to have a relationship with him. Come to the water. He's using that as a metaphor. Come to salvation through Jesus Christ, being washed clean by the blood of the Lamb through what he did on the cross for us. So here's Kate Miner with Come to the Water.
What encouraging words. Great are your mercies, Lord, renewed for me every day. Faithfully pardon me. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth, and today's topic is what do you do when you're wrong? Scripture is great about giving us a, a sample of everything we'll ever need to know. How, how do we deal with things? Well, you can find things right in Scripture to help you. If we look at King David and his story in 2 Samuel 12, we see David's doing what I did, sinning and moving on with life, just trying to cover up and keep going. But sin does something strange. It grows. It grows like weeds in a garden or mold on the shower. You see a little spot, and the next thing you know, you look again, and oh, it's bigger. It continues to grow. David is an important king. He's got it all. The palace, land, animals, people working for him. But he sees a married woman, and she's beautiful, named Bathsheba, bathing, and boom, he wants her. That's it. So much so that he impregnates her, sends her husband to the front of the lines in the war that's going on, and lies and covers everything up. And you thought the Bible was boring. Once the husband is dead, David marries Bathsheba. But God's not happy because it's sin. God sends a friend of David's, a man named Nathan, to confront David with a story. And when he says the story, David's furious. How could anybody do this? He deserves to die. Well, Nathan says, guess what? This is what's happening in real life. I just made the story morphed it a little bit, but it's really you and what you did to Bathsheba and her husband. Well, after confronted, David breaks down. And he says, I've sinned against the Lord. And in the Psalms, David says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Isn't it interesting how it took a while, but David got there. He realized what he had done and he confessed his sin. And once he did that, unfortunately, David and Bathsheba had consequences for their sin and they lost that baby. But eventually they had another son, King Solomon, the wisest man there ever was. But David learned about keeping his heart right with God. Talking about that, how we deal with sin, here's another friend of ours, Pastor Rachel Warner from United Methodist Church in Maplewood, Minnesota. Here's Pastor Rachel's thoughts. Sin, it catches up to all of us eventually, most often in those times and places where our humanity, rooted in the ways of this world, comes into conflict with God's desire for us, rooted in the ways of the kingdom. Living in these finite and fragile bodies and spending our days in a world where success is defined by vanity and greed and power, it's no wonder, really, that we give in to temptation, we lose sight of God's will, and we find ourselves face to face with our own sinfulness, separated from God. But there is good news. We need not be afraid, nor hide, nor ignore our sin and wish it would just go away on its own. While our vision can often be cloudy, God always sees us clearly through the lens of grace. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that emerging from 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. To repent is to turn around to acknowledge that we've been going the wrong direction and to choose to go a new way, to seek out God's kingdom and to live as lovers of justice and makers of peace. For the kingdom of heaven has come near and you have been invited by the Christ 
to feast at the banquet. So when you, as we all do from time to time, need to come to terms with your own sin, I recommend beginning with the prayer of the psalmist found in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. As you pray this prayer, trust that God's Spirit will do just that, renew you and restore you in grace and love. In the name of the Creator, and of the Christ, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How's your heart today? What are you doing to keep it right with God? Are you someone who says you're sorry? Or do you hide your sin? David said this about hiding sin, When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. Well, as you think about this heavy topic, let's lighten it up a bit and listen to some help from Dr. Justin about the pH in water. Water restores the body just as forgiveness restores the soul. Remember our song earlier, Come to the Water. Water represents the soul being cleansed. We need it for healthy living. Here's Dr. Justin. Hi, listeners. This is Dr. Justin Hildebrand for Best Life Ministries. What's your water's pH? A new trend in health food stores and sites is alkalized water. Alkalized water is normal water, but with an increased pH over 7.0. Normal tap water is filtered and mineralized to have a pH of 7, which is exactly in the middle of the acid-base scale. An acidic liquid like orange juice or coffee would have a pH under 7. The idea is that water will buffer the normal acidic American diet and lead to better health and fitness. By comparison, soda has a pH of 4, whereas most alkalized water have a pH around 9 to 10, the same as milk of magnesia. The question is, can high pH water make us healthier? Heartburn and stomach ulcers are a result of having increased stomach acid and not being able to control its production. Drinking basic water would help neutralize the acidity of the stomach and help control the pH levels, decreasing heartburn. Also, any dangerous microorganisms that live in the gut prefer an acidic environment. Introducing water that possesses negative oxidation reduction potential means it might offer extra disinfectant properties. Studies have shown that ionized alkalized water lowered glycogen levels and reduced liver damage in individuals with poor control of blood sugar. High glycination levels are associated with Alzheimer's disease and diabetes. It is proposed that drinking water with a high pH can help reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease and help control diabetes. Lastly, exercise and physical activity can cause the body to produce hydrogen ions and free radicals. These ions increase the body's acidity and cause fatigue. Drinking alkaline water might enhance the body's buffering capability and temper the acidity, thus improving performance. The ions in the water also decrease cardiorespiratory stress and blood lactate responses, which increase recovery. These positive effects have proponents of alkalized water suggesting it would also decrease cancer-causing free radicals that thrive in acidic environments. Alkalizing water producers may suggest many health claims from fighting cancer to decreasing heartburn, but no negative effects are known. It is still water, 
in large bottles cost the same as Fuji or Smart Water in your local health food stores. Next time you feel parched, grab a bottle and see how you feel. What's the worst thing that can happen? You're only hydrating. Yours in health, Dr. Justin Hildebrand. Thanks, Dr. Justin, for this tip on water and taking care of our health. So friends, we're talking today about how you deal with sin. What do you do when you're wrong? And my question for everybody out there is, do you cover things up? Do you right the wrong? Um, Do you hide it? How do you deal with it? Here's Best Life staffer, Pastor Gary Espolt from First Baptist Church in Wilmer. Pastor Gary, how do you deal with things when you're wrong? Uh, Good question. Um, I think I rationalize. Wasn't my fault. I justify. um, Well, what about what he did? And I end up beating myself up uh, with questions like, you call yourself a Christian? But but when God softens me, gets me to the point where I'm hearing him, and I see my sinfulness in light of what I would call his holiness, at those moments I'm humbled, and I ask for forgiveness, first from him and then from the person that my sin ended up hurting. Uh, I've always at least to the best of my memory, I can always say that His grace always ends up overshadowing my sin. And amazingly, um, many of the times, the person that I've offended forgives me in God's grace. Uh, For example, one morning I had been unkind to my bride Susie, or to be honest, (laughs) I'd say I was mean. And after some time, God finally softened me. I came into the house I think my words were somewhere along the line, Susie, I'm sorry, I was wrong, forgive me. But I know exactly what her words were, um, very clear in my memory. Her comment was, already have. I was forgiven before I even repented. And um, so those are some of the things I do. Um, I wrestle with it, I fight with it, I deny it. And if I'm in tune with God, I get to the point where eventually I I ask for forgiveness. Friends, we're talking about forgiveness today, and here's one of my favorite songs from my list of favorites called At the Foot of the Cross by Catherine Scott. Listen to these great lyrics and the emotion that it evokes, because when we go to the foot of the cross and we get rid of those sins, we walk away free, we walk away clean, we walk away restored.
Listeners, think about King David and what he had stored up inside and how miserable he was. There's nothing that is better than being able to release that sin, anger, frustration, resentment, bitterness, guilt before a loving God. Nothing but the blood of Jesus is going to do that. Just asking God for forgiveness through Jesus, his son. Friends, I know I told you at the beginning that I'm as guilty as anybody for many things that I do wrong. I don't have a problem saying I'm sorry to other people, but I do have trouble reminding myself, oh, I need to go to God and ask forgiveness. And it reminds me of when I was first married to Farmer Dean. He was so kind and he was very patient, but you know, he's a guy. And so sometimes I would get so mad at him, but I wouldn't tell him that I was mad. And I wouldn't tell him why I was mad. And all of a sudden, he would look at me and say, are you mad at me? And I'd say, no, no. But really, I was. And I was just like King David, storing that anger up inside of me and letting it grow, grow day after day. And finally, after a couple of days, my husband would look at me and say, okay, I know you're mad at me. What is it? And then I would tell him. And he'd say, well, good grief. Quit being mad for days. Just tell me and let me know and I'll stop doing it. And I found out that I was so used to hiding those sins in my heart, wanting to be mad, wanting to get some sort of a reaction, that that's how I used my sin to continue to hurt. And so I'm just reminding you today, it's easier, so much easier to get rid of how you're feeling when it's bad, when it's negative. You don't want that stored up inside of you. You want to be living your best life. Being wrong means we must be responsible for our actions. Will we dismiss it? Will we excuse it? Will we apologize and say we're wrong and ask for forgiveness? Because you know what? That takes guts and courage and swallowing your pride. It's not really easy to do, but we need to. Admitting that you're wrong before God is a necessity. Think of what we learned from King David. When he prayed to God, he said, When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder, my words became day-long groans. Wow, that sounds depressing and discouraging. When I kept it inside, that means he didn't repent. He didn't confess. He didn't come clean. He was miserable. Friends, are you miserable today? because of something that you're holding in, some sort of sin that you've forgotten to confess, or maybe you need to ask somebody to forgive you for something that you've done wrong. Are you avoiding looking at your own heart? You know, you're holding that grudge so tightly. You know you've been unkind. You know you've lied. You've cheated. Maybe you're in the middle of an affair or a different sin. Maybe it's pornography or gambling or drugs. Get out. Walk away. Confess repent, get right with God, get right with other people, be the best version of yourself you can be, become your best. Let me pray with you today. Dear Jesus, thank you for forgiving us for our sins. Thank you for dying on the cross so that we're forgiven. Convict our hearts and spirits to confess and to repent. Help us to walk away from sin and yearn to live a life free from it. Help us to say we're sorry. In Jesus' name, amen. If you missed last week's show, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes at Kathy Weckworth, Your Best.
For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.